scripture reading this morning is taken from Acts 11, and I'll be reading from the NIV version. Acts chapter 11. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. And then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times. And then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. And the Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered into the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appeared in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw that the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of the Lord. 
Will you join me as we pray for Felipe? Living God, we know how much you love feeding us. And so Felipe has done his work of preparing, and he brings his loaves of bread and fish to you. And we ask that you bless it, that you multiply it, and that you feed us in such a way that we'll be able to encounter Jesus Christ this morning. We ask for your Holy Spirit to empower Felipe as he speaks and opens up your word. We thank you. We love you. Oh, glory to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. As you might know, I was born and raised in, in Brazil. And one thing that probably every Brazilian would agree with is that beans are supposed to be a savory dish. It can be eaten with cassava flour, rice, soup, always savory. Well, one day I was uh, in my first year studying at Regent College, and an Asian colleague gave me a cake to eat. And I started eating, and out of courtesy, I, I asked her, what kind of cake was that? And she goes, beans, sweet beans. I was like, beans? Like, beans? Yeah, beans. I, I could not finish it. <laughs> I was so embarrassed and confused. How come? In my mind and in my world, beans were created to be eaten as a savory dish. So like our text today, the Jewish church in Jerusalem could not understand that the good news of God included Gentiles. If you're not familiar with the Bible language, Gentiles are all the other peoples, all the rest. If you're not Jews, Jew, you're Gentile. So when the church was born in the Jewish mindset, in their worldview, they did not contemplate whether people from different cultures could be in the same status that they thought they were before God. The moment that this disciple of Jesus, Peter, when he knocks on the door of that house of the Gentile family and meet them, it marks a pivotal moment in the book of Acts and in the history of the kingdom of God. A whole new world has just opened up for the church of Jesus Christ. And now people from different parts of the world, now they are included in the family of God. In this chapter, Peter explained to the church in Jerusalem that even the Gentiles are welcome into the family of God. And as John read, right after that interaction, Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, will tell us about another church in another city, Antioch. And this church had Jews and Gentiles worshiping together. So for the sake of his mission, God is inviting Peter and the community of believers in Jerusalem to experience the newness of God in a way that they have never imagined. In the same manner, I believe that this text is inviting us at FBC to experience the newness of God, the good news of God. When I was praying and preparing for this sermon, the Spirit of God drew my attention uh, to two aspects of this text that I would like to explore with you this morning. 
And this invitation unfolds in, uh, in two ways, uh, individually and in community. The first aspect, uh, if we pay attention to Peter's experience in words, it will help us to understand how God is inviting us personally to experience his newness. And secondly, if we pay attention to the church in Antioch, it will help us to picture how this good news of God is manifested in a community of faith. So here's what you can expect. We'll talk about Peter and his interaction with the church in Jerusalem, and I'll offer some explanation and some questions for you to reflect personally uh, in this interaction. And in the same manner, we'll move on to the church in Antioch. I'll explain a little bit about that church, and then I'll ask some questions for us to reflect uh, in community. And please, keep in mind as we, we go through this chapter, uh, this is a calling to the newness of God. This never happened before in the church. It was challenging. It was unfamiliar and uncomfortable. But before we start talking about Peter and the church in Jerusalem, uh, I want to go back to the topic of food. Uh, did you know that in Latin, the language Latin, the word for taste and flavor um, is the same word for knowledge? It comes from the same root, sapere. And in my language, Portuguese, which derives from Latin, uh, the word for knowledge is saber, and for taste and flavor, sabor. Again, the same root. And some people would argue that our capacity to open ourselves to new things, including knowledge, is interconnected with our capacity to taste new food. <laughs> that is true, by the laugh. <laughs> when you taste new food, sometimes it's very uncomfortable to your taste bud, unfamiliar. However, it can bring in a totally new experience and understanding of it. It may take time, but if you lean to that uncomfortableness, you might be able to enjoy that different food that you experience. Now, this is exactly what Peter does. He receives a vision from God to reach out to someone who is different from him, someone whose culture is different, someone who eats different food, someone who has a completely different worldview than him. And what he does? He leans toward that uncomfortable situation. He establishes a relationship with Cornelius. He becomes his guest and probably sat down for a meal with him. Then he realizes that the kingdom of God is <laughs> beyond what he could understand. Sapere, knowledge, and taste. He tasted the newness of God. Amazing, marvelous, awesome, yet unfamiliar and quite uncomfortable. When Peter gets back to Jerusalem, so he's questioned why he spent time inside the house with someone who was not Jewish. And why he ate the food with them when clearly he was not supposed to be involved with that kind of people. So here is, is what, what people say in English, when the rubber hits the road. <laughs> and I'll explore this interaction with you um, a little bit uh, more here. And some aspects of this interaction, the first one is that this has never happened before 
Gentile was supposed to be kept outside. That was the law. That was what they knew. And it has always been like that. So how Peter is supposed to explain the new movement of the Spirit, that now Gentiles are part of God's family? Well, if you, if you look closely in the Old Testament, actually the plan was always to have Gentiles as part of God's family. But Israel failed to include them. And because Israel failed to include them, there is nothing in the collective memory of his people that would help Peter to propose a solution. So this is a moment of vulnerability for Peter. It's uncomfortable. And his reputation here is at stake with his people in Jerusalem. So how he is going to become a bridge from the old to the new? I'll let you hang in here for a moment, and we'll go come back to this. A second aspect of this interaction is the Jewish understanding of community was um, narrow. Even after Jesus' death and resurrection, Jewish people were still thinking that they were the people of God. The problem here is not that the Gentiles could not follow Jesus. They could follow Jesus, and they, they were even encouraged to do so. The problem here is whether the Gentiles could enter the Jewish community. So therefore they asked Peter, Peter, why, why did you hang out with those people? You're not supposed to do that. So here, this interaction, it's all about keeping themselves in a comfortable zone. We have the proper understanding what it means to be a church, right? Which is self-centered, ethnocentered. This is how we function. It has always been like this. Why are you bringing a different flavor to us? So then it comes with a solution, and Peter wisely, what he does here, Peter yields to the Spirit. He did not try to solve the problem himself. He did not offer an answer. Rather, he becomes a bridge. He gives witness to what happened. And in order to face the problem, Peter does not lean into his ethnic, cultural, male Jewish identity that he could have. So he's able to understand the kingdom of God because his interaction with someone who was different than him. My understanding of the kingdom of God grows when I'm confronted, when I'm put out of my comfort zone by someone who is different than me, including gender and ethnicity. I'll say that again. Our understanding of the kingdom of God, it grows when we are confronted. When I'm put out of our comfort zone by someone who is different than us in gender and ethnicity. Here's what happened. Verse 17. Peter asked them. This, this, is, this is what happened. Peter asked them, the people in Jerusalem. This is a slightly different version than what we read. If God gave the exact gift to them as to us when we believed in the master Jesus Christ, how could I object to God? Hearing it laid out like that, they quiet down. And then as it sinks in, they start praising God. It, 
It really happened. God has broken through the other nations, opened them up to life. So as, as we have this in mind, this interaction of Peter and the church in Jerusalem, how can we lean towards some personal uncomfortableness so that we become bridges for the Spirit? So let me propose here a few questions for you to reflect. And, and as you know, when we read books, books, they have the capacity of shape our mind and our action, especially Christian books. So I wanted to ask you, uh, the last Christian books that you read, who are the authors of those books? And, and uh, my question behi- uh, the question behind this question that I want to ask you is when was the last time you read a Christian book that was written by someone uh, that is not a Western author? Um, and, and if it was the last one that you read, um, wh- what is the proportion of the last 10 readings that you did in a Christian books? Uh, what is the balance there? Another question. Have you ever been mentored by someone from a different ethnicity? And if you think you have a solution to a church problem or the way that the church should be, was that idea of yours shared, uh, criticized, or given feedback by someone who is different than you in gender, age, financial status, and ethnicity? So as, as this question sinking in, in, into our minds, uh, as you think about that, I want you to move on in our text to the next um, uh, event that happened there when the Spirit unfolds his plans for the community in Antioch. And again, before talking about the, the church in Antioch, um, I would like to talk about nostalgia. And we all have sweet memories that we treasure, right? And if it was possible, we would love to dwell in those memories forever. Oh, when the kids were so little, when we had that job, or when I was part of that youth group, or when we went to kids' camp for some, um, or that time when we had X, Y, or Z as, as preacher. Uh, those memories, they, they, indeed, they bring joy to us. Um, whether it was a movement, a person, or a ministry, we all have sweet memories. And I'm sure that those moments and people, they were used by the Spirit for that specific season uh, to bless us. However, if we are fixated on the past, we might, miss, we might miss the fact that the present, it is an invitation to the newness of God in the life of a community. In Matthew 5, Jesus was pretty clear when he spoke the words, you have heard this, but now I tell you. So Jesus here, he doesn't deny or erase the past. He actually acknowledges it. And then, he opens our perspective to a whole new understanding of life and world. If the past had been the only guidelines for the future, we would have had replicas of the Church of Jerusalem all over. And what Luke does here in Acts is to show how a personal experience, in this case, a Peter, how this personal experience is manifested in a community. The Spirit has just opened up a whole new perspective of the kingdom of God to Peter. So how does that experience that Peter had 
reflect in the church, in community. So that is uh, what happened in the church of Antioch. And there are a few aspects of that church that I would like to share with you also. The first aspect of that church is the church, of, the church in Antioch becomes a diverse community. Jews and Gentiles, they worship, worshiping together. Uh, before we go uh, a little bit in depth of what was the church of Antioch, I want uh, to, to make sure that we understand what, what the church of Antioch was not, what they were not. Okay? A, the church in Antioch was, were not, was not two churches, was not a church for Jews and another church for Gentiles. Another aspect that they were not, they were not two peoples pretending that there were no real difference between them. Again, they were not two peoples pretending that there were no real difference between them. There is a saying that is popular among Christians that is, I don't see color. When I see you, I see Jesus. While there is some truth and beauty in this affirmation, when we read the Bible, we we clearly know that, uh, that God is, is not colorblind. Cultural differences uh, will be celebrated at the end of times. The last book of the Bible, Revelation, when things come to an end, when, when there's a closure for everything, it says, I looked again and I saw a huge crowd, too huge to count. Everyone was there. Nobody was missing. All nations and tribes, all races and languages, all races and languages. And they were standing, dressed in white robes and waving palm branches, standing before the throne and the Lamb, and hardly singing, salvation to our God on his throne, salvation to the Lamb. How exciting is this? When everything comes to an end, Cultures will not be wiped out. They will be redeemed. So the church in Antioch was, what was the church in Antioch? Two peoples in one church. Two peoples in one church. Sorry, actually, there were several peoples in one church. Because Gentiles, there were not one people. They are all the rest. So Jews and Gentiles, they go out to worship together, share life together, participate in God's missions together. Jews, they did not stop being Jews. Gentiles, they did not stop being Gentiles. They would still be Gentiles. They would eat the same food. They use the same language. They used to sing the same songs. The Jewish culture was not imposed on them. Both sides were uncomfortable there. And how is that possible? How is that possible? One of the things that I believe that made it possible was the diversity in leadership. If you keep reading the book of Acts in chapter 13, you're going to find who were the leaders of that church. It was Barnabas, a Jew who spoke Greek. Simon the Niger, literally Simon the Black, probably from Africa. Lucius from Cyrene, Africa. Manaen, a Palestinian Gentile, and Saul, that was a Hebraic Jew. Uh, and and uh, before we move on more about the church in Antioch, I just want to 
uh, I'll tell you a cool thing that is happening in our church with the children ministry and as they move forward, uh, towards embracing diversity. Uh, they have adopted here a curriculum called Godly Play, which uses faceless wooden figure to tell the Bible stories. So kids are invited to foster their imagination and picture the Bible character without being influenced by an outside culture. Uh, if you are a person of color or um, if you have kids of color, uh, you might have noticed that uh, there, is a lacking, uh, there is a lack of material for kids in Bibles. Although in the last few years, it's, it's getting better. Uh, but it, it, it is hard for us to see ourselves represented in, in the Bible uh, narrative. Uh, to, to imagine us in our different colors and, 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 and ethnicities and, and races participating in that narrative. And, and I'm just grateful that um, here at First Baptist we have pastors uh, who are paying attention to the diversity that is in our um, community. Okay, there is this aspect of diversity in uh, the Church of Antioch. And there is a second aspect, aspect in the Church of Antioch that I would like to share with you. And, and as the Spirit moves among those people, there was a decentralization of power. Before this event of Antioch, the Church of Jerusalem was central for everything. The theology and the religious practices would flow out of Jerusalem. Festivals would happen in Jerusalem. After Jesus died, the disciples gathered in Jerusalem. Pentecost, Jerusalem. First church, Jerusalem. First teachings out of the Church of Jerusalem. So Antioch, which by the way is located in Syria, was the first big center of Jerusalem, the first church after Jerusalem. And by the year 80, Luke describes other centers like Ephesus in Asia, Alexandria in Egypt, which is Africa, Corinth in Greece, and Rome in Italy. So with the diverse church in Antioch, we notice that there is a decentralization of power. Now the teachings do not only come from Jerusalem. From now on, Jerusalem is not the church model. Jerusalem is still an important church. But things don't need to get their stamp to happen. The church in Jerusalem is in equality with the church around the world. In Antioch, the way of doing church was not the Jewish way. It was a new way of doing church that has never happened before. The way that they organized themselves and the way that they did mission was something that the world has never seen before. And that was that was only possible because they listened to the Spirit, because they opened up themselves to the newness of God and they embraced diversity. I remember before the pandemic, there was an un unofficial counting of how many languages were spoken in our church before the pandemic. And we were able to count 35 languages. Uh, indeed, we are a diverse community and our pews uh, reflect the beauty 
uh, of our church in its diversity. So here are some questions for us to reflect in community. How can we lean in our uncomfortableness so that this diversity is also reflected in all aspects of our church and not only the pews? How can we make sure that all voices and accents are listened to beyond Pentecost Sundays, Friday evenings, and Pinder Hall? How do we invite the immigrant to join internationals on Friday evenings, but also how do we open our door for them to join our connection groups and be uncomfortable with their presence there? And as, as we go about doing church, how do we give the same weight to the indigenous voices, Africans, Latin Americans, and Asians in our congregation? And how do we make sure that the way that our church functions reflect this diversity in all aspects of our church, in worship, leadership, discipleship, connection groups, and missions. Our tendencies will always to go back to our comfort zone. Myself too, I'll crawl back to my Brazilian uh, comfort zone right there. But, but let me finish it today encouraging you to be inspired by Peter, Barnabas, and Paul. They decided to live an uncomfortable life so that others could be welcomed into God's family and meet Jesus. We can experience love, grace, and the newness of God in our life when we lean into that uncomfortableness. The kingdom of God is always beyond to what we can grasp. Maybe beans were created to be eaten sweet, not savory. I'll never know. It still makes me uncomfortable every time I eat it. But for, for the sake of my Asian friends and respect for their culture, I'm, I'm happy to be uncomfortable. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.